How are you all doing today? This is the Jeff Salgado Show with my co-host Mike Boyd. Today is Saturday, March 14th. It is beautiful outside. It's totally raining. Love it. What do you think of that, Mike? I love it. This is my weather right here, dude. We finally got some rain. It's 52 degrees in Sacramento, and it is awesome. I can't tell you how great it is to be raining for once. We need it. We definitely need it. So what's new with you? How'd the last week go for you? Last week was cool. I mean, I guess if you want to talk about the weather, it was incredibly warm. Uh, Other than that, just been working on my projects, you know, keeping up with this podcast, keeping up with my wife's podcast, just keep trying to write some new music in my band and stuff like that. How about you, man? Just been working and drawing as much as I humanly can and really excited. We got a really good show today. We got Blaine Cook from The Accused. Fuck yeah. Legendary band. Actually, they're The Accused AD now, but uh, he's been in a lot of bands. We're going to go retrospect into his career later on and uh speaking of bands uh this coronavirus man is is not just knocked out people it's knocking out tours left and right bands are dropping their tours like no tomorrow it's everything is shutting down it's gnarly how many like that's the thing is how many bands have canceled their tours right now i know some big ones like south by southwest done Dude, it's all of them, and they're yeah. not just canceling the tours. They're canceling local shows, canceling local yeah. events. I, uh, they, they recently put out a thing that anything over 250 people, they're going to cancel it, shut it down. They don't want anybody in, in restaurants or bars or anything, so uh, good luck with that. So I went to Chili's last night. How was it? Fucking packed. <laughs> right. I, just, I, I don't think people are as worried. You know, I went shopping yesterday really late at night. And I got everything I needed. Um, it was very eerie out shopping. Everybody was calm, you know. Everybody was really calm. I was in a, I was at on Sunrise Boulevard at a Target, and it was, it was calm, but it was eerie. You could tell everybody was stressed, and even though they weren't panicking, you can you could tell there was an underlying tension in the air. I haven't been to Target yet, but last night after dinner, my wife and I we had to get a couple of groceries. We went to Safeway. And the one thing that was weird was there were no carts. Like the amount of like I don't know if people took them, or they might have been not been the wiped st- down. <laughs> the store was not. Here's the thing: the store populace wise was not packed, so I don't know where all their carts went. Right, it was very odd. And, but and of course the toilet paper paper aisle was was barren. Well, yeah, yeah you yeah. can you can blame that on people panicking. I mean, that's the thing is yeah. it's. This virus can be lethal, it can be scary or whatnot, but the most damaging thing right now is the fear and the panic in everybody. Everybody, like I said in the last episode, should really relax. Just relax. We live in the best country, the best healthcare, the best military uh, you can find, so we're safe. Stop panicking. We're going to be great. But... You know, I know I understand people are they don't know what's going on, you know, and I'm not going to get too political on this, but start, you know, really digging deep in what's going on. Start talking to people, getting different points of view, because there's a lot of sketchy stuff out there. You know, it's really hard to take in information and believe what and what not. So I would definitely suggest talk to people, talk to people that you don't even normally talk to. You might get some good ideas. You never know. Uh, I just want to keep my butt clean. It's better than leaving in a echo chamber. And well, you know, I, I I can't even see the board right now. I got all this toilet paper on my face. Yeah, I wrapped him up with toilet paper on his face. He's going to take that home with him, by the way. Well, I just I can't see. I, yeah. I can't. I'm, 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 but I'm safe. You're safe. I got toilet paper <laughs> on my head, so you can't fuck with me. Can't catch it. No germs are going to get near my eyeballs or my nose. It's great. So today we have. Um, Blaine Cook for an interview. He is, you know, I, I, I don't want to punish him too bad, but I'm a huge, huge fan. Like, a seriously huge fan. Like, if, if I was a 17-year-old kid and you said, who did you want to interview, Jeff? I would have said Blaine Cook right off the bat. No shit. Yeah, I've loved The Accused since 1986, and I, I saw them in uh, at the farm uh, venue in San Francisco. That's where I used to see all my punk shows back then. 
and it was at a skate rock show that was put on by Thrasher Magazine. The lineup was my favorite. It was Septic Death, The Drunk Engines, Skate Master Tate, Beyond Possession, The Accused, and Christ on Parade opened the show. And a lineup like that, you knew it was going to be powerhouse. And it, it was awesome. I mean, the, it was it was a dream, you know, that, that era of skateboards, metal, punk rock, all in one night. And I think James Hetfield from Metallica came out to introduce Septic Death. It was pretty sick. No shit. Yeah, Pusshead walks out on stage later in the night. He had like a... He had like he looked like me. He had a a face like his whole face was wrapped, but it was black cloth instead of toilet paper. <laughs> and he had a, he had an eyeball cut out, and had a bunch of Freddy Krueger claws, and he had a bunch of bones hanging off him. It was really cool. But the band that really excited me, the you know, the most was the Accused. I mean, I'd never seen them. I'd had a skate rock Thrasher magazine compilation. And I heard them, and they were, like, so gnarly, screaming, crazy screaming, really fast thrash guitars, and it was just wild. And then when you saw them, you could see an actual what they were sounding like, so it was the perfect visual to see how they really performed on stage. I mean, they would jump around and get nuts, like batshit, cuckoo, crazy wild, and the crowd followed suit. And it was like that every time I saw the band after that, they would just go nuts, and... Blaine was in a couple of different bands, and he went through a whole, you know, difference from metal and punk, you know, and, and being a fan of that, my band, Psychosomatic, has been the same way. We've always flirted with punk and metal. We've never declared either one, but we love both genres, and it's really an honor to talk to him. So um, we'll move you to our interview. Now we have Blaine Cook from The Accused. How you doing, Blaine? Very good. How are you, Jeff? Great. Really excited to have you on here, man. I've been waiting for a while. It's your name came up immediately as soon as we had this podcast. I was really excited. I'm glad you could do it. Oh, yeah. Well, thanks for, um, thanks for inviting me. For sure. Um, I was just saying in the, in the episode that The Accused is a huge influence on me and my band. And I remember the first time I saw you was uh, back in 86 at the Thrasher Magazine Skate Rock Show. You remember that yeah, one? Yeah, epic. Oh, yeah. That was an epic weekend. What do you remember about that? Not not too much. <laughs> Unfortunately, had I, had, I, had I known had I known back then that I was supposed to be remembering all that stuff, I would have paid more attention. That was kind of like you know we have one of those whirlwind weekends. You know where we get, I mean we still do it now. You know you drive down to San Francisco or the Bay Area and uh, you drive all night, you play, and then you get done playing and you drive you drive back home. Yeah, that was really cool. I remember that. Yeah. And uh, you yeah. guys had had at that time, I, I think you just had the return of Martha Splatterhead, right? Yeah. Yes, I believe so. Cool. So uh, let's go back in time. Um, you started out with the farts, right, with the Z? I, I did. And how was that? That was uh, that was fun. It was kind of like those uh, early, early, uh, early punk rock days where uh, – and I always like to preface this because this is something that's always in my mind when people ask me about that stuff back then. And even you know, back then when you, when you're younger, it's like you know, you know, you want to you want to uh, post post date your check. You know, I was into it. You know, you know, in like '79 or '78 or or whatever. Right. But even but but back then, rock and roll was just was only like. 15 years old you know if you talk about like you know Jimi Hendrix or the first first Black Sabbath record or you know the shit that was really really heavy wasn't really even until like 1968 1969 1970 so you know it's just it's just kind of weird the, the perspective when, when I go back and think about it you know now I guess I should have paid should have paid more more attention but uh, yeah it was just kind of like back in the day you know that the punk rock thing it's like that's what you did um, you were kind of bucking the trend uh, you got in a band whether you could whether you could play an instrument or sing or whatever you got some guys or some girls together and you'd uh, you know you'd make some songs and you'd you know perform live in front of people and if uh, you know you're lucky enough you pulled it together and did a record and um if you really pulled it together you were able to go and you know play out of your own city um and uh yeah you know we those you know we got to go down and uh you know really early on and and play play in san francisco um you know we uh, stayed with uh that band the fuck-ups they had a little uh, uh storefront in the mission district mm -hmm. um had this whole it was a, a whole whole different whole different time you know musically and obviously you know um seattle was different you know san francisco was different you know uh just just t totally different times who was uh who was in the band at that time 
Um, that was um, my, myself and um, Steve Steve Hoffman, who is actually you know the kind of the grandfather, the guy that really the band band, band was really really his, and he uh, he actually he, uh, passed away a few years ago. He had a, a brain aneurysm, oh, that's terrible um, to hear. which which was kind of a drag. And then we had a loud. Uh, loud, loud fart. Lloyd Shattuck was was the drummer, and uh, Paul Dana, Paul Soldier, um, was was the guitar player. Nice. You know, when we were, yeah. And now, uh, didn't you have a uh, Duff McKeegan from Guns N' Roses in there for a little bit? Then, here, here's the other thing about when you're younger, time moves at a, at a totally different different pace. <laughs> so there's so much of this stuff that you know. I mean, you, you know, when you're younger, it's like you look back, it's like Jesus Christ, but it's like all this stuff happened, and I was like years or something it's like now it would be a lifetime but yeah so we, we went we went through through some changes and we started to get um a little bit heavier so kind of like more like uh beginning part of uh 80 uh, 82 83 now i have to I have to forget but yeah so we ended up you we got we got rid of loud loud wasn't our drummer anymore and um yeah, we we recruited uh, Duff McKagan uh, to play drums with us, mm-hmm. and uh, oh, he, actually, oh, he was on drums. Yeah, he was the drummer. Yeah, he was a multi talented guy. You know, back then he was in uh, he was in a whole bunch of whole bunch of Seattle bands. You know, oh, that's cool. Um, yeah, multi yeah, yeah guitar guitar based uh, drummer for sure. Did you uh, had so you guys put out a record, right? It was like a. It was like a, a, a. I remember there was a ton of songs on it, right? They were really short. Uh, with the farts? Yes. Uh, we did. We did a number of records. We did. We did a single that we uh, did on our own, and then, uh, and then we were lucky enough to uh, to do some shows with uh, with the Dead Kennedys and and uh, Jello Biafra liked what we were doing. Um, so we were able. We had a, we had this guy that gave us um, five hundred dollars to go to record a recorded LP so we recorded this LP because this fucking world uh, that's stinks right. that's right and yeah. that that got put out on uh, on, our, on alternative tentacles and then um, alternative tentacles in the UK they uh, released the single that we did over there and um, yeah then when, when Duff came in the, in the band we did a, a five song uh, five, five song recording that um because after the farts, we changed our name to Ten Minute Warning. So lot, lots of times, those uh, those five songs get. Uh, sometimes they're called the fart songs. Sometimes they're called Ten Minute Warning songs. Um, and yeah, that we did that five song demo that we released on a on a cassette. Back then, the songs were on a whole whole bunch of different comps. And then later on, like in the later '80s, um, the songs were put out by empty records on a uh yeah 12 inch that have had that stuff and some other you know radio stuff and live live business for sure that's some yeah. uh, collectibles for sure yeah uh, so what how did that uh transition into your next band so i did so we did we changed the name to, to 10 minute warning it kind, kind of got to be a little bit a, kind of a little bit more metal because you know then i was i was you know that was kind of like during that you know that uh, new wave of british heavy metal you know so we were just kind of just starting to get into like you know iron maiden and uh and uh, motorhead and whatnot and uh then they kicked me out of the band oh i know so sad back then right. <laughs> and uh so then i played guitar in, in, in this other band that was called uh, Mr. Stubbs and his Carnivorous Chicken Band, um, <laughs> just because that's what you do, you you play in a band. And I had a guitar and uh, I had a little sil- little silver tone uh, pra- uh, practice amp. Hell yeah! And, uh, and I'd, I'd known the guys in the Accused um, since about the tail end of uh, oh god, I can't remember it's eighty two or eighty three. I think it's a tail end tail end of eighty three. Sure. Tail end eighty two. One of those. They yeah. They they played one of their first shows with us. Well, I knew those guys, and uh, yeah, um, uh, I was at uh, actually at a, a GBH show, and uh, yeah, they uh, came up to me and asked me if I wanted to sing in their band, and this was like uh, April of eighty four. Nice. Yeah. And so, uh, uh, who was the singer that was before them? Um, 
that he was a guy. His name is uh, John Darlene, and he was the singer. They did uh, they uh, did you know a whole bunch of uh, uh, cassette releases, and then they did a, a split LP um, with another um, uh, Seattle area band called the uh, called the Rejectors. Yeah, because I remember hearing it, and then I the only song I could recognize was in a deathbed, and it was like a total punk rock version. Mm-hmm. And I was like, whoa, okay, that's something from they did again. Obviously, it's pretty sick. And then, um, so was there a, when did you guys do the, uh, the Martha Splatterhead? Was that an EP or an album? That, that was, it was an EP. <clears throat> yeah, we did that, you know, pretty, not too much longer after, after I joined the band. Um, and we did it. On, we did it on the 12, 12 inch, and it was kind of like based on that uh, that first uh, Mentors um, twelve inch that just had the, the Xerox Xerox cover. Yes. You know whatever the four songs. <laughs> we we kind of like did the same thing. We got the, you know because back then it was like shit getting that stuff pressed. It was it was expensive and uh, it was hard to find a place to do it. And you know everything was harder back then. You know what I mean? And uh, <laughs> and we had we had a. a, a uh, a buddy of ours that uh, worked at a business that had a copy machine, so he was able to go in there at night, and he uh, he ran off the uh, the Xerox covers nice. for us Very because cool. we weren't. Yeah, we we went to a couple of different local print shops, and uh, yeah, they wouldn't they wouldn't uh, do the do the cover for us because you know, we had that song called "Fucking for Bucks," and you know, <laughs> they just weren't. You know, weren't yeah. It's one of my favorites. Um, when yeah. you, well, who, whose idea was Mar- the concept of Martha Splatterhead, which pretty much remained for the whole band's history? Um, that was the, you know, the, the, the Martha Splatterhead, the name um, came from, uh, I, we had these uh, uh, BB Gun Wars um, back in uh, like 1983 with myself and uh, a guy named Kyle Nixon, who was uh, the singer for a, a Seattle band called Soldier. Okay. And Soldier put out like a, a pretty iconic, a really low lo-fi, um, early hard hardcore uh, record, and they have a one of their songs on there is called "Raping Dead Nuns," um, which is pretty cool. <laughs> if you haven't ever, ever heard Soldier, yeah, look up that, that single. It did it did get re-released later on. I'm definitely looking that up. Yeah, and uh, so one of, one of the guys we, we had we had names would we do these BB gun wars? So we'd go out into the woods and we had these helmets with these uh, mesh. Uh, uh, face shields. We wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't shoot anybody, and you could only, you know, pump the BB gun so many times. And uh, one of the one of the characters uh, in the BB gun wars was uh, Martha Splatterhead. So I kind of stole that 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 name, Martha Splatterhead, and came up with this, uh, you know, female zombie, you know, undead undead killer um, named Martha Splatterhead. And at, that, and at that time, you know, one of the reasons was uh, we wanted to be. We we're doing something that was a little bit, a little bit more, more metallic. But we still wanted to be accepted by the, uh, you know, the maximum rock and roll, um, you know, crowd. You know, Tim Yohannan and, um, you know, Ruth Schwartz and all, and all of that business. So we thought maybe if it was, a, if it was a female um, killer, um, it wouldn't, uh, you know, it'd be a little bit more palatable for him. Absolutely. And uh, I remember there was a couple like serial killers that were female, and it was kind of shocking to think you know hey this can go either way <laughs> equality yeah totally yeah e- equality <laughs> yeah for sure um yeah i i was a huge fan i mean I, the first album i heard was the return of martha splatterhead now was that a different recording session or was that just a reissue that, that was a different recording session so the return of martha splatterhead had the five songs that we did for the martha splatterhead ep and then you know the other songs that we recorded and um there was actually a couple of those songs on the return of Martha Splatterhead were written and uh, second guitar uh, was played by this guy named uh, Tracy Bohannis. Um, so we had this uh, for a very, very short period of time. We had this uh, at the second guitar player That's who nice. actually wrote wrote a couple of the songs off of the return of Martha Splatterhead and also um a couple of the songs off the, the more fun than an Elma Casket funeral record as well. Yeah, that's that's a classic album. I mean, that album from front to back. I mean, when I heard it, I was because all I'd heard actually when I first heard you guys was the stuff on Skate Rock, and I know that was from an, a cassette compilation, right? Like a little EP thing, like a demo that we can all live together. 
yeah, the, the songs off of the skate rock were kind of, um, because we, we ended up kind of like doing the, the, the more fun record, kind of like it was kind of kind of choppy and we really kind of did it like twice. Right. So the songs on the, on the skate rock record were like the earlier versions of the songs for the uh, more more fun than an open casket funeral. Gotcha. Because because when because then I went back and I, I went to I, when I saw you guys I picked up the uh, vinyl for Return of Martha Splatterhead and with the blue cover on it. I know you had different covers for it. Yeah. But I had the blue one and it just blew my mind. I mean, the, reading the lyrics, I was just rolling. I thought this was the coolest thing ever. I mean, for back then, it was as gnarly as you could get because we didn't have grindcore. I mean, you might have had like Siege or maybe a couple other bands like Iconoclast that were on borderline grindcore that were just gnarly, like crusty. But you guys yeah. at that time, I couldn't find anything more extreme. It was just screaming like somebody was getting murdered. My mother was really pissed off when she heard it. She was like, what is this shit? And I'm like... <laughs> I'm sorry. I love it. Just get away. So I just had to. I had to listen to you guys on headphones because my parents were just not down with it, and I, I thought it was the best thing ever because they were so bummed on it. Uh, the lyrics, fucking for bucks. I mean, me and my friend were just. We would recite those word for word, rolling on the ground, cracking up. Just. I mean, is that a true story in any way, or is that just something you thought? No, of? that that was that was just our ode ode to the mentors. You know, back when. <laughs> yes. You know, I don't know. It was. <laughs> It was okay to say that you liked the mentors. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, it was you know, it was all you know. A lot of the stuff that we did was kind of like tongue tongue in cheek. Absolutely, you know, really, absolutely. Back, everybody was back then. It was great. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. And it was a different time, you know. And I, that's why I always tell people like that. You know, they're a little sensitive. I'm like, you know, back then it was so brutal, and it was and it was always humorous. It was always like this sarcastic. It wasn't ever meant to be serious, and that's what was so that's, fun. That's yeah. It was never. It was never meant to be serious. It was meant to be tongue-in-cheek, and yeah. And I, I remember, like, when you guys played Wrong Side of the Grave, I remember listening to it. And you guys played it a little faster live. I don't know if it was the energy or whatever, but it was a little faster than it was on the record. So Yeah, definitely. When I saw that, I was like, I want to play that. Like, I, I, my, I want my band to cover that song just like that and that speed. And we pulled it yeah. off. And I was really stoked that you guys used it on the website at that time. I was really like honored i didn't think you guys would even care but it was fucking so fun and then um yeah. and then so um more fun than open casket funeral you guys got signed on combat right yes we did we got signed on combat and how'd that go um it was okay i mean you know they, they were they were a new york label so you know back then people didn't even know like some people thought because they're before the there was another band from Washington DC called the accused and they, oh, really? they put out a single in uh, like, I don't know, 79 <laughs> or 80. So on that first tour that we did out there, I mean, there was some, some shows that we played where they thought that we were that, that accused from Washington DC. And, uh, you know, Seattle was, you know, this was obviously before all the uh, grunge and all of that, that business happened, but, uh, right. you know, nobody, Seattle was just like a, a, a nowhere city. You know, a lot of bands didn't come to Seattle because there was, you know, you do San Francisco, Portland, and Seattle. It's kind of, it's, you know, um, it's got kind of a long drive. For sure. Um, yeah, the, com the combat thing, the combat thing, thing was cool. I mean, you know, we did, you know, uh, you know, you're, you're young. I mean, at that point, you know, you don't know you're signing a contract and we had a, had a person that was kind of like acting as our manager. And, you know, you always think that people are, uh, you know, acting in your, in your best, in your best interest. And, uh, you have to believe what they say. And, uh, you know, then you read the small print that, you know, things aren't really as, as great as, you know, they, they, they were, they were made out to be always, uh, always. And, you know, the, you know, back then it's like, I don't know, you know, people don't realize it's like you put out a record, you sign a contract. I mean, you're, you're basically the sales of your record are basically responsible for paying for everything, you know, packaging, um, advertising, it's like fucking everything. Right. They get their, they get their cut before you get your, you know, 99 cents of a record at retail <laughs> price or, or whatever. That's right. Yeah. And like, we were just talking about in our last episode, how nowadays it's, that's just all gone. All of that is you get lucky if you're streamed and major labels are taking all the streaming costs. So it's like, mm -hmm. it's, it's tough. Yeah. Yeah. Whole, 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 whole different thing now. Yeah. 
So, um, you guys toured with GBH back then, right? I remember you had a big tour during the More Fun. Yep, that that was actually when. Uh, yes, yep, when More Fun came out because the uh, we called the tour it was the uh, Pan- Panic in the Casket tour. That's right. Yeah. Now, um, I, I have your I have a, a compilation of your live videos on a DVD. And I think it's on that tour where you do the jump and you kick the bouncer in the head. Do you remember that? And you guys like yeah, yeah. you guys like repeated it like ten times. I was yeah. rolling on the ground. <laughs> what what was that? Do you remember that? Did he say, say anything to you after that? Or? No, it was a to- it was it was a total mistake. I was just going to do you know this uh, half a half house roundhouse kick. You know, and it's like yeah, I nailed the guy at the back of the head. Yeah, I felt I felt really really bad. Yeah, it wasn't yeah, it wasn't I definitely. <laughs> Yeah, that was not a uh, doing something on purpose to the security guy at all. No, no yeah, you, no. you totally yeah. run right after him. You're like, you're like, dude, I'm so sorry. You can see yeah, it. Yeah, terrible. <laughs> yeah. And that's just how those shows were. I mean, you know, when I when I see bands that are like, you know, they're punk rock bands and they, they do their jumps, right? They jump in the air. And I'm like thinking, man, you guys got nothing on the accused because <laughs> that yeah. shit was wild. And I, you know, I'd never seen anything like that. I, I mean, there was another band that was similar to you. They didn't really jump too much, but they were really spastic was beyond possession. And you guys played with them yeah. a lot. And yeah. that, that period of music of fusing punk and metal completely 50, 50 together I don't think you're ever going to get that kind of energy at a whole concert. You know, it was just, it was insane. No, def- definitely not anymore. Right. And, uh, although, although I'm older and yeah, definitely, you know, the younger people, they've, they've got, got their own thing going on. Um, yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, that was, that was, that was that, that whole era right then, you know, once go, going back again about how, how rock and roll and heavy metal and heavy music was so young right. at that point in time. I mean, that was kind of, that was, you know, whatever you want to say, you know, 84 to 89 or, you know, up until 90 or, or whatever. I mean, that, that was like, that was the golden age of, uh, of, you know, all, all ages music. I mean, um, Right. The the enthusiasm that uh, people had all over the United States, you know, to go out and, and see live music, it was just it was crazy. Yeah, it was insane. I remember the crowds. I mean, it got to the point where like people were like moshing at a Lenny Kravitz show. <laughs> like, yeah. it, it was just yeah. nuts. And uh, yeah. one of the things, okay, then you guys uh, you released uh, Maddest Stories, which I thought was your masterpiece. I mean, that thing was that was wild. Yeah. And, um, and we got to we got to work with you know that was uh, produced by uh, Terry Date. Oh um, really? I didn't know that. Who, yeah, who later on you know the guys like you know huge absolutely. Um, and then we had you know we had a uh, um, we had uh, Kurt, Kurt Vanderhoof who was uh, a guitar player for Metal Church and also he was one of the guitar uh, early guitar players for the Lude when the Lude was still in Seattle. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he came and did uh, did a cameo, and then we had a Sir Mix Lot um, Seattle rapper guy that uh, you know came and did a cameo on that as well. What did he do? What did Sir Mix Lot do on that? He sings some of the uh, backing vocals on the song "The Maddest Story Ever Told." Oh man, that's so good. Which was which was like the theme song to a movie called uh, Spider Baby. Yeah, I remember hearing reading a review. I, I'm not sure if it was in Maximum Rock and Roll or it might have been in Thrasher. I can't remember which where it was at, but it, a review of that album is Blaine is more pissed than ever. It sounds like somebody like slapped him in the face and threw some Drano down his throat. <laughs> yeah, man. That's what it was supposed to I mean, that's what you're supposed to do. Well, then also with, with Mad Stories, I mean, you're, when, you know, that's back when they did real recording. And like right now, I know I know a few bands that still do analog two-inch tape recording. It's like, that's fuck, it just scares me to, to think about doing that. But, you know, back then you'd, you'd get, you know, where you're getting, you know, you get three or four vocal tracks. So, you know. I'm going to use my three or four vocal tracks. Oh man. I mean, you're just wailing and it's, that's like some serious screaming and it's the whole album and it's really good. And I love how dynamic the album is too. It's not just, you know, grind thrash all the way through. It's got all, it's really dynamic. Um, Distractions, all those songs are super tight. Um, I can just go on forever with each one of them and they're, they're super dynamic. And then, (coughs) (coughs) sorry, I got some coronavirus. Uh-oh. And then, um, so, <laughs> so then, uh, yeah. And then, um, I think I saw you guys on that tour too, as well. 
and let's see what I want to say about that record. It was just so much to it, so much to unpack from that one record. And then you guys, um, you went on to do. Did you sign with uh, Nasty Mix after that, or? Yeah. Then we got we got uh, we got dropped by Combat. We were we were just about <clears throat> we were just about ready to do our. Uh, our third third uh, record with Combat, and uh, we were just waiting for him to send us, uh, you know, um, our advance so that we could, uh, you know, pay for uh, the deposit on the studio. And then they ended up saying, "No, we're you know we're we're done with you guys." It's like, well, okay, well, whatever. Um, that sucks. They're lost. That was, it was it was kind of stupid at that point, you know, because it's 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 all a money thing. I think at that point in time, our. Uh, I think our advance had gone up, you know, they owed us, we were supposed to get like 20 grand or something, you know, to record the record. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and they had a hard time, like, cause that's when we first wanted to do a comic book and, uh, yeah, they couldn't really, uh, under, understand, you know, our, our, our motivations. So yeah, so they combat dropped us. Um, and then that that was kind of the same time when Tom started playing um, with Grunt Truck, mm-hmm. and uh, that's when Grunt Truck was kind of more like a uh, more like just a side project of, uh, of Ben McMillan, who was the singer for Sound for uh, Skin Yard. Right. Um, so we were we were trying to put you know trying to get these uh, songs together for. Uh, you know, to do this record with combat and Tom's, you know, fiddling with the, with the grunt truck thing. And at that point in time, I actually, I actually uh, quit the band um, just because um, it's like, this is what we're supposed to be doing. The accused and you're off doing this thing. And, you know, we're trying to get this record back together. So then we pulled it, pull, uh, we pulled it together. And before we got signed to nasty, nasty mix, um, we did a demo, um, uh, four song demo that uh, we put out on a single a split single with a band Seattle band called uh, Morpheus <clears throat> and then we did another uh, we did a 12 inch EP on empty records that was called um, Hymns for the Deranged Yes. and uh, one side one side of it was the four song demo and then the other side was um, just some uh, various live uh, uh, cover songs that we were doing and uh, yeah, then we got the opportunity to, uh, to sign with Nasty Mix, which was uh, uh, really cool at that point in time. Yeah, I, I remember I, I'd heard that Tommy was playing with Grunt Truck, and we we're like, "Oh, let's check this out." And it was they had a video on MTV, and I was like, "This sucks." I was fucking totally bummed on this. I was like, "What the fuck is this? Where's the new Accused record?" Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. I mean, all of our friends were. We were just like looking at each other, like, "What the shit is this?" <laughs> and then uh, when we saw that you guys, well, I remember when the Hymns of the Derange came out, we were like, "Okay, they're still doing shit, cool." And then when the Nasty Mix, that he was grinning like an Undertaker, that thing was another monster. That was really good. Uh, your drummer was insane on that one. Who was that yeah, guy again? Yeah, uh, his name was uh, Josh Sender. Yeah, that guy was a beast. Yeah, yeah, he was. Uh, yeah, and he he also wrote some of that music. So, um, yeah, yeah. He did was did a, he yeah. did he write Pounding Nails? Um, I think he wrote some some of the parts to it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it sounds like very percussion for sure. Yeah, yeah. That was a great record. And then, uh, yeah. uh, uh, and you guys had a DJ on that, which is one of the sickest raps I've ever heard in my life. And the message yeah. that he's putting on is just. It's amazing. I, the message alone is really sick. Talking about, you know, people with mental illness and 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 judgment of that, and then you know, and coming, the reason, coming, yeah, being being a vet coming back from the war, absolutely and, yeah, not getting any respect. Exactly, it's huge. I mean, it's just such a huge message, and the rap itself is amazing. The song's great, and I was like, I was blown away because everybody was kind of mixing at that time metal with rap, and you guys just came in and did that, and it just blew my mind. I was like, wow, these guys know how to do it right. It was yeah, I think our, I think ours was a little bit, a little bit, a little bit funkier and still more, more like what we were doing versus trying to be too, 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 too rapish. Right. Yeah. Trying to like fuse it too much. I mean, I mean, at that time, every thrash band was flirting with some kind of funk or rap. You know, I mean, even even Exodus was. You know, it was crazy. Yeah, man, and Anthrax. Right. And, uh, I mean, I kid a bunch of them that were doing it, and a lot of that. I mean, it was kind of. I don't know. I think I think we were trying to be more more true true to what we were doing. Right. You know, when we brought those guys in. Yeah. Who was it? Anyways. 
Um, there were some local guys that were called the uh, Peace Team Posse. Okay. And, uh, well, uh, I can't even remember the names. It's slipping my mind right now. That's okay. But, um, yeah, that's a, that's a great album. And then you guys did uh, Splatter Rock, which was a... Um, you guys had a different drummer at that time, right? We did, yeah. We had Josh. We did, we did, uh, we did grinning, and then we did the uh, Straight Razor EP. That's right. Um, that, that that still had Josh in it, and then uh, and then Josh quit because he had a he had a girlfriend that felt he needed to be doing more or better or oh, something, man. something, something. So he quit the band to <laughs> the cliche not do to not do anything bigger or better. <laughs> yeah. Right. Which is so so often the case. I mean, you know. Um, yeah, and uh, sometimes yeah, um, yeah, whatever. That was not, Dude, not, yeah. not too too good. Every band has that. Which story. is funny because Josh went on to play with Grunt Truck. So at one point in time, there was a Grunt Truck lineup where where it was it was the Accused with a different singer. Oh my god! So it was Tom on Tom on guitar, Alex on bass, and Josh on drums. You know, I, I remember the whole grunge thing, and I, I remember like a lot of the grunge bands. You know, there was even some I liked, but I, that one I just wasn't into at all. I wasn't fan. Yeah, yeah. But um, okay, so so after Splatter Rock, what happened? So then we do well, well. Then we did Splatter Rock, which was the last record on uh, on Nasty Mix. Okay. At that point in time, yeah, the Nasty Mix thing was just like so um, so crazy. They had a lot of money they were throwing around. So we did that. We did that record, and it was. Uh, uh, produced and recorded by um, Steve Hanford, aka the uh, the Slayer hippie who was in Poison Idea. Yes. At that point in time, and uh, you know, um, you know, we did we did that one just to get the money. And if you listen to that record, I mean, there's so much filler. Yeah. There's like barely there's like barely 15 minutes worth of real music on that thing. Yeah, I caught that. <laughs> yeah. I know uh, there was like a decline in quality. I was like, "Whoa, what happened?" <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, but yeah, uh, yeah. You know, stupid stuff. And once again, you know, you're younger. You know, people don't know how to communicate and uh, you know work shit out. And um, yeah. So, were you guys done after that? Um, actually, so right before that record was going to be released, and we had a European tour um, booked. That's when uh, Tom Tom quit the band, oh, wow. and uh, you know I don't you know um, it was kind of a a, a a fuck you to you know me and Alex and uh, Devin who was our drummer at that point in time. <clears throat> so we just went and uh, we we got another uh, guitar player, and uh, you know we you know did fulfilled our obligation to do that that European tour and um, yeah we did a uh, couple of European tours after that with, with the other guitar player and then after the uh, last after the last European tour that we did um, at that point in time we were offered a, uh, a deal with uh, with Century Media oh wow and uh, yeah you know we were younger you know you're not thinking to do much so you know we turned down the offer and we uh yeah we just uh, quit quit doing the accused right. so that was probably in like 92 right yes and what'd you guys do after that just kind of settled in in a normal life or? um um then then uh i went off with these other dudes and i had a band that i was in called the black nasty okay and uh I did that for a couple of years, and um, I have a twelve-inch, or no, no, it's a, it's a forty-five. A, a CD. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And it's... Yeah, back when, back when CDs were something that you would do. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, so we, we, yeah, we did the Black Nasty for a couple of years, and I, yeah, I, I got married in, in the meantime, and ended up and uh, nice. had a kid, and then we, uh, you know, decided to tr to do the Accused again. Mm -hmm. um, so we did that again. I can't really honestly remember how long we did it for back then. Maybe maybe two years, but yeah, the, the, you know, it, it didn't uh, it didn't it didn't pan out. So we stopped doing that. How long was that for? I don't I don't think I don't think it was more than two years. Maybe a little bit over a year. I think we just we just did some local stuff. I don't even think we. Uh, 
I think we we may have gone down to Portland, but I, yeah, I don't think real. Yeah, it just wasn't. You know, and you know, people get into their their habits or whatever their their things are. They kind of um, become a distraction from from uh, not only playing music, but you know, you have to create as well. For sure. Yeah. So, um, did you? Is that the time around when you guys started doing toe tag? So then that would have been the first time that the Q's did their reunion. And then, um, Oh, okay. So probably about, that was yeah, mid, mid nineties. And then, uh, we, we started to do the farts again. Oh, and, um, yeah. um, Alex came and, uh, started playing guitar in the farts. So we ended up doing, I think we did the farts again for maybe four or five years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we put out we put out a couple of more records um, on alternative tentacles, and then we stopped doing the farts again. And then we did the accused again for um, a couple of more years, and uh, I kind of talked Alex into doing that because he had he had been playing a grunt truck, and there was some stuff that was you know kind of sour, and he had a pretty good you know his intuition was pretty good that that you know this blast <clears throat> the last go around of the accused wasn't gonna you know really. Uh, it really wasn't going to pan out between like and, him and um, Tommy and or? it didn't and it didn't pan out so yeah then we uh, started to do toe tag okay and uh when you guys were with toe tag it's it's uh it's you Alex and then who who at that time was in it um Steve Nelson was the drummer okay so and he Steve Nelson was the uh at that point in time during that last reunion he was the drummer during that last reunion and then he was also our drummer um probably in that uh maybe 1988 to maybe 1990 time frame okay so you when you guys did toe tag um you did you start out with the split with world of lies um no that one came out later we did uh okay we did a single um, with uh, a song called Machete Killer on one side, <laughs> and then the B side was uh, uh, a song, uh, Junior's Eyes, by uh, Black Sabbath, off of the uh, Never, Never Say, Say Die record. Yeah, that's awesome. <clears throat> yeah, we did that, and then we did another. We did another single with a, a, a UK label, a um, bunch of stuff on comps. Yeah, and then we did. Yeah, then we did the World Alive split. I think that was the first time I actually heard you guys like on an album was with the World Alive yeah. split. And it was really sweet. And Tony's a really good friend of mine. Love the guy. Yeah, yeah, to- and yeah. Tony's a great guy. And he, he told me he's like, "Oh, dude, we're doing a split with the uh, with Toe Tag." And I was like, "Dude, I'm so jealous." <laughs> yeah, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah. And he he recorded it too. So he came actually. He uh, yeah, he came up and recorded it uh, in my basement. Oh, that's yeah, sick. he drove up with his. Uh, with his recording gear. Yeah, super sick. Tony Avila, that dude's fucking badass. I love World Lies. Every band he's in is killer. And he, he's, yeah. he's always been good, even when he lived in SAC. Yeah. Sure. And then, um, so you guys, uh, then you, uh, you guys put out, you put out something after that, right? When in Toe Tag? Was it a full length? <laughs> we, we put out, um, yeah, so we did the World of Lies split, and that was just on a CD only. And then a, uh, uh, I can't remember if it's a, a Czechoslovakia or a Polish label. They released um, just only our our half of the split oh, okay. on, on a 12 inch, and then we uh, did another CD that was called uh, "Here She Comes Again." <laughs> like the cars. And uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, more a couple a couple of more. You know, but we did we did another. Uh, we did a split seven inch with a Seattle band called, uh, not Seattle, they're the Pacific Northwest band called Pop Belly. And uh, we did a, a 10 inch called Hide the Knives. Um, just, there just gets to be too much shit, man. I should have had it all laid out here on the floor. It's <laughs> awesome. So, uh, yeah. so when did you guys decide to revamp the accused under a different moniker, the accused AD? 
so we've been doing so we've been doing so basically we've been doing toe tag since like 2004 and um over the years we've done the accused songs live under the name of uh, martha's revenge oh nice um so we did that i don't know half a dozen dozen times and then uh it was going to be the uh 30th anniversary of the uh, more fun record <clears throat> so we just said fuck it let's just we'll, we will uh learn the more fun record and we'll play it um from uh first song on side a to the last song on side b mm-hmm. and we'll uh we'll call ourselves the accused ad after death. and uh yeah that's what we did so we took you know um pr- pr- probably took us about n- nine months maybe a year to you know totally you know get get that dialed in and uh yeah we did some local shows um and then we did a little uh little east coast tour Nice. And uh, then it uh, once our uh, ex guitar player, <clears throat> former friend, once he caught wind of it, uh, it didn't make him very happy. <clears throat> and then he started making things difficult for us. But you know, we just kept doing it because you know that that's what you do. We're doing this for we're just doing this for fun, man. Right. Yeah. There's a, there's always bad blood with breakups and and stuff like that, and that's that's pretty common. And, yeah, uh, yeah, people, yeah, I don't think everybody realizes, you know, what it's like to be in a band, and, you know, most people aren't even in solid personal relationships for as many years as, you know, right. we've, we've been playing music, exactly. so, yeah, yeah, and, it can um, be difficult, is but, he, you know. Well, I know that he, he kept going as well, I think he put out a record, did he put out two albums or one album? He um, he put out one record and he had uh, yeah a couple couple of different singers and uh, you know a ro- rotating uh, rotating cast of players right it's just, um, that he that he it had it never, used. it never stabilized for sure and I, I saw them when they played in sack and and we we were put on the bill with them and it was you know they're all nice guys it was cool but yeah. but you know I I knew the backstory behind it and I just kind of kept my distance you know I, I don't want to <laughs> ruffle any feathers or anything but yeah. But it was uh, it was awkward <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> it was really awkward. And then um, when you guys came and you played here recently, it was sick. It, it had that old school vibe. I think you you have a new drummer. Who's your drummer? Or that was playing with you? We we had we had a, a new drummer. Yeah, that last time we came down, we've uh, since we have. <laughs> yeah. That that whole drama aspect, yeah, it just keeps going on. But yeah, so we we've got actually right now we're uh, we're playing with uh, two different drummers okay. right now. And who are those guys? Um, we are playing with uh, Steve Hanford, aka the Slayer Hippie. Yes, and, uh, he's he's doing because he lives in Portland, um, so he's doing our like our accused AD uh, set with us. And then we have a uh, a local a local guy um, who's doing more of our new uh, our new more like like this new accused ad record uh that we that we put out about a year or so ago um he's learning those songs and then uh you know some of the toe tag material and his name is chris Goody. nice and he's actually he goes way back in seattle he's kind of kind of more of he has more of a uh early uh kind of hair metal um type of a background right on um but uh yeah he's a good guy solid solid drummer and um yeah you know, out of out of all the artworks I've seen, that new record has the creepiest album cover. <laughs> that that girl that just looks—it's just—it just creeps me out when I look at it. She's like normal, and then she looks fucking evil. Yeah, yeah, that guy, uh, uh, Chris Angel, Casey Angel. I mean, we met him. Uh, um, he was from Atlanta, and we met him in uh, in '87, and. Uh, Kept, kept, we've kept in touch with him ever since, and he did a, he's done a bunch of stuff, uh, you know, way back when uh, for the accused. Um, he's done a bunch of artwork for Toe Tag. Um, you know, um, he does uh, artwork for, uh, you know, the restaurant that my wife and I own. Um, yeah, he's just a, you know, really, 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 really one of these super, super talented guys. You know, if I wish that I had as much talent as he does. And, yeah, uh, he's amazing for sure. Yeah. So what do you guys got planned for the future? Um, so, you know, uh, we're still, we're, we're, we're doing both. So we're practicing with, uh, with, uh, Chris Goatee. So we practice down here in my basement on uh, mon- Monday, Mondays and Thursdays. And, uh, we're taking a trip to, uh, Puerto Rico. 
Awesome. Um, here in June, which is going to be fun, and we're actually we're going to bring uh, both drummers, so we're going to do uh, two sets. Oh yeah. Which will which will be which will be a challenge, and uh, yeah, we're gonna uh, we you know we want to do some recording with uh, with uh, with Slayer Hippie. You know, I mean, we just keep on just keep on doing it. You know. Fuck yeah, that's amazing. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, we're gonna be down. You know, we'll be down in the uh, Bay Area uh, next weekend. We're playing in uh, Ukiah on Friday, and um, we're playing it in San Francisco on Saturday. And we tried to get on. There was a Yob Yob show in Sacramento next Thursday uh, mm-hmm. that we tried to get on, and yeah, it just didn't happen. Damn. But uh, you guys are in the Bay Area. You're playing with the boneless ones, right? Yes, we are. Yeah, both. Yeah, uh, yeah. San Francisco and Ukiah. Well, looks like I got, <laughs> looks like I got something to do for sure. Yeah, that'll be fun. <laughs> awesome. Well, you know, let's wrap this up, and I really appreciate you coming on. And this has been amazing, and it's great catching up with you and telling your story. Right on, man. All right. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, everybody. Blaine Cook. Yeah. Appreciate the it. The wizard. <laughs> <laughs> the wizard. As he proudly proclaims in the song "Fucking for Bucks," <laughs> the best song in the album. Okay, uh, so but I just want to make a point, and I want to make a statement to all of our listeners. We are extremely thankful for all of you. We're off to an amazing start, and uh, we want to make sure we give you the best product possible. We have a lot of artists that have agreed to be interviewed, so. Stay tuned for the exciting episodes that are coming up, and we are only going to get a lot better. Yes, we are. So thank you very much for listening to the Jeff Salgado Show. We will see you next week. Thank you very much. Bye-bye.